today on Locked On Canadians, should the Montreal Canadiens take a run at Connor Hellebuck? That's coming up and more mailbag on Friday's Locked On Canadians. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 904. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. My name is Laura Sab, also known as the Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matlove, Habs Eyes on the Prize. And Scott, we have a very meaty mailbag today. We've got a lot of questions, and a lot of them are actually by multiple people asking the same thing. So, are you ready to dive in? I am always ready for the Friday mailbag. It's the best part of the week because we get a little bit of everything from actual detailed questions to Will. So, like, everything <laughs> is put into this episode. To be fair, Will does sometimes ask detailed questions. They're just constantly really annoying. For new listeners, Will is our nemesis. Um, we love to hate him very much. All right. Scott, we've got a lot of mailbag questions. There's a lot of meat to this episode. The first thing I want to talk about is Connor Hellebuck. So um, this is not the only person, but I'm going to read this question because it is the most um, detailed one. But multiple people asked us if the Habs should try and take a run at Connor Hellebuck next year or even try to trade for him now. The, one of the mailbag questions comes from Andrew on Twitter. Uh, sorry, Andrew on YouTube. Mailbag question, trade edition. With us having four goalies, I was wondering what trades could be possible. I came up with the idea of another three-team trade involving Montreal, Winnipeg, and a team looking to land Hellebuck. Allen would be traded to the Jets in the deal. Maybe Los Angeles or New Jersey would be the team landing Hellebuck. Thoughts? So this isn't specifically Montreal getting a Hellebuck, but it is a three-way treat. So let's, let's also, once we're done discussing this, ask whether or not uh, Hellebuck should, the Canadians should even make a run at Hellebuck. Uh, so let me do two things. I'm bringing up New Jersey's cap friendly page. And as soon as I find the Winnipeg Jets, I will do that with them too. Where I think are LA you? is a, like, I think LA is a team that um, it does make sense to me if they were to want Connor Hellebuck. Like that is definitely a team that I think might be interested uh, in Hellebuck for sure. With New Jersey, I don't think that there's any way that I can kind of figure out what they're doing uh, for very many <laughs> various reasons. I think with New Jersey, too, like Akira Schmid, you know, came in and did pretty well while Vitek Vanacek was not quite where he needed to be. Uh, their other goalies, Nico Dawes is still kind of young. Eric Schalgren's their other guy. And then they have 19-year-old Tyler Brennan under contract. And it's like, this is a team that wants to make deep playoff runs, wants to be a Stanley Cup contender, and is probably in the window for that at this exact moment with guys like Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, uh, Nico Heischer, Andre Palat. Uh, they traded for Tyler Toffoli. They've got Dougie Hamilton, John Marino under contract long-term and their goaltending kind of limited where that effectiveness was in addition to, you know, their coaching with Lindy Ruff. 
And my thought is if they want to get Connor Hellebuck and they need salary retention on there because they have just over $1.9 million in cap space, or even if it's Jake Allen, I look at the Devils and I wonder if Alexander Holtz is someone that they look at going. Maybe that's a guy they can try to add. They're not going to get a guy like Simon Nemitz. Uh, they, they have too much faith and too much invested in him. But I look at Alexander Holtz, who's 21 years old, got two more deals left, and couldn't really crack the Devils lineup. I think he's a very fair bet for somebody like that. And like in L.A., who also might want a more solid goaltending situation, I wonder a little bit about someone like Alex Turcott, um, one of Cole Caulfield's old teammates with the USNTDP. LA has $123,000 in cap space. Two very, and I'm I'm saying this about as nicely as possible, mediocre goalies in Phoenix Copley and maybe Cam Talbot, who we talked about, who's now 36. I look at someone like Alex Turcott and go, is there, is there something there that you can go and add him a buy low reclamation project? There's definitely something that can happen when there. Allen goes to one team to Winnipeg. Canadians, you know, maybe send picks one way and get one of these other guys back with that and make this trade happen. They got to take on some salary in that. Someone has to in this trade because I look at the teams involved here and I can't, why can't I find Winnipeg? There they are. Winnipeg has 1.7 in cap space. LA is 123,000 and the Canadians are still $3.7 million over the cap. Even if they're shedding Jake Allen, they have work to do in that. But the Devils, LA, and I think Buffalo are probably teams that would be interested in possibly adding Connor Hellebuck because they want to take that step and become go to that next level. Not just being a playoff team, a contending team in the playoffs, but being a Stanley Cup contending team as well. Um, so the follow-up question, this is from Paul on uh, YouTube. For the mailbag, if Sam Montel- Montembeau does not work out, should the Habs take a run at Hellebuck in free agency next year? I'm not against it, but I think for Connor Hellebuck to have that same interest, the Canadians need to prove that they are going to be a much, much, much better team the following season immediately. Because my big fear is that if he, if the Canadians don't take that step, you're not going to track that next big piece that you need. Even if you throw money at him, and the Canadians have, should have learned by now, don't overpay your goaltender. Yes, Carey Price earned all that money, but at the same time, it's a humongous risk. And Connor Hellebuck is going to be on the other side of 30 very soon here, and it's just a risk that I don't know how much you know cap and term you want to tie up in a goaltender who might start hitting that downside of his career. Phenomenal goalie. Worked a ton in Winnipeg. You you have red flags that should be signaling at this point, like one of those people guiding in an airplane, but with flags instead of the little half lightsaber dagger things. So, I think it's an interesting question though, because the Canadians really have uh, two different decisions to make. They have to see who's going to be their goalie of the future, and then they need to see who's going to be their goalie of the now, because I don't think that they want to be losing too many games and tanking too much in the next couple of years because they definitely want to be a team that's getting ready to contend as much as we want them to get the higher draft pick. That's not necessarily in their plan. So it could be two totally different people and you could have a goaltender that's coming off of their prime, but it's still serviceable and still good. And there's no, absolutely no denying that Connor Hellebuck is a phenomenal goaltender. I mean, you've seen him rescue Winnipeg season day night in and night out. 
um, and and sort of you know he's responsible for a lot, not all, but a lot of their success. So I think for me with the Canadians though, like he's going to cost too much, like you pointed out. Like it's not something that the Canadians should really tie up their their money. And I think it's we're still a little bit um, apprehensive because we haven't heard anything about Montembeau. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, the, de- the decision that's going to be made is um, Montembeau for the time being, and then we see what happens. But as much as I love him, I don't think that he's going to be the guy for the Canadians in the next couple of years. So I think the Hellebuck idea is an intriguing one. And I do want our listeners to weigh in, not just on Hellebuck. Like this is a, you know, obviously multiple people ask this question. So it is on Habs fans' minds. Is there anyone else that you see that's going to be a free agent next year that you think the Canadians should give a call to um, that, again, you don't want to tie up too much of your cap in one position. So you've got to think about that, even though the cap is going up. Uh, please share your thoughts with us and you know where to find us. Uh, we're at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. We're on all the social media um, and we are also on YouTube. So please weigh in. Please give us your thoughts on the free agency goaltenders or the goaltenders that are due to be free agents next year. And if you think the Canadians need to make a run at any of them. In the meantime, we've got a ton more mailbag questions. Uh, Willie Nylander keeps coming up. I also kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the Austin Matthews uh, contract extension, whatever it is that we're going to call it. Uh, And that's all going to come up in the next segment. But first, I got to tell you about FanDuel, one of our sponsors, because they are the official sports book of Locked On, as well as pretty much every league. Football season is kicking off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. And then you can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. So, Scott, do you think it's a good idea for me to bet on the Detroit Lions? I mean... <laughs> do you think I'm going to get a lot of bonus bets? I mean, no, but, like, they're going to be better <laughs> than they were previously, potentially. But, like, as a Packers fan, I'm not going to tell you to do that. And I'm not going to tell you to bet on the Packers either. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you to bet on any of my favorite teams because it never goes well at all. So. But if you want to bet on any of Scott's favorite teams, you can check out FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started today. And as always, we remind everybody to please gamble responsibly and bet within your means. In the meantime, Scott, another bet that's come up is a lot of Habs fans think that Nylander might be destined for Montreal, given that he does seem to be the odd man out in the Toronto Maple Leafs cap. Uh, he is much maligned by the Toronto fans. I also have uh, been, uh, you know, kind of reading some of the comments, and uh, which I should really shouldn't do. Some people want no part of that. They want Willie Nylander as far away from this team as possible. Um, I think that there's something to be said for seeing what's up with that, like how much money he's going to come in. And you have to remember that he's come underpriced for this many seasons. So he's going to look to get paid. It's going to be kind of like a Nat, um, Pacioretty situation. What do we think? Do we think that Nylander should come here? And, and, and 
I'm going to read the question from Bobby F on YouTube. Given the rumors, what do you think of putting a William Nylander on the top line right wing next to Suzuki and Caulfield? How dangerous would that line be? And do you think that a Nylander type player could be the final piece that the Habs need in order to be playoff ready in the next couple of years, along with solid development from existing players? And then second, what would you be willing to give up for William Nylander? Well, my first thought is Nylander opposite Suzuki and Caulfield is exactly what we said in the last show, which, yes, I will absolutely do that. To be fair, this question was before the show, okay. so I did want to is... elaborate a little bit more on where he would play <laughs> and, and whether is... or not. Yeah, The top line is absolutely that. I also think he'd be great with Kirby Doc on a second line in there if they want to spread the wealth a little bit. In terms of his next contract, because I look at this, Austin Matthews just got a $13.25 million a year contract extension for four years starting next season, not this upcoming season. I look at the cap situation. Nylander has this year, and he goes to UFA going into next season. If the cap, and I know we say this all the time, allegedly goes up, he should probably get nine, nine and a half million dollars pretty easily. If Marner's getting paid 10.9 to be, you know, what he is, you should absolutely be looking to get Nylander under contract for probably less, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's more. But I also look at some of the work that uh, Brad Treliving has done with this Leafs team. They are currently $13 million over the cap. Mm-hmm. Without, you know, and that's with Jake Muzzin Ooh, and Matt Murray. What else could we pick off of that carcass? I mean, honestly, like Timothy Liljegren, maybe. Like, I look at this team. This is a team that gave David Kampf a four-year extension at $2.4 million. Kelly Yarncroke at 31 years old is $2.1 million for the next three years. Ryan Reeves got a $1.3 million a year contract for the next three years. He's 36. There's like, they're not in as they are currently in a lot of cap trouble here. Like a lot. They've talked about, we've heard rumors of trading TJ Brody and it's just, I look at this team and I go, what you have all your core pieces and you've surrounded it with stuff. And I don't know how to describe it as better than that. Like, I look at this lineup. Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander. Great. Tyler Bertuzzi, nice little ad, little playoff bite, no pun intended. Max Domi, okay. David Kampf, again, for four years. Kelly Yarncroke, Ryan Reeves, Sam Lafferty. These are just dudes. Matthew Nyes and Pontus Holmberger guys that they maybe have some higher hopes for. They had a Dylan Gambrell for some reason. Like this team is like, here is all of our, our like our Lamborghinis all together here. And here's a beat up Ford Pinto. <laughs> we are going to ride that Ford Pinto until it bursts into flames. And then we have to drive the Lamborghini everywhere. And it also bursts into flames in Toronto traffic. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a team that is teetering on the precipice of like, we have so much greatness and it's so close to just going full Icarus and bursting into flames and falling into the Minotaur pit. And like, I, I don't understand what they're doing with this roster here. Even with the guys they have on LTIR, they're still over the cap. And that's a problem. I, I, I can't help but think that not because they should, they will just trade Nylander because there's probably so many people calling about him. If, 
if the price is right, Toronto will take that opportunity for it. I we didn't even get to Austin Matthews like signing for four years for thirteen point two five. It's a four it's, year contract. Like, how often do you see this? Toronto is one of the few teams that they didn't go max term on like and Tavares signed for like longer term. I know that much, but like Matthews and Marner and Nylander all signed under like under an eight year deal. Whereas, and this is not to say, well, Suzuki and Caulfield did that. They are not as good as the players that were signed by Toronto. Let's get that out of the way before everyone gets mad at us. But it is like you said, we don't see often star players not go for max term and as much money as they can get. And I don't think it's because Matthews doesn't think that Toronto can do that. I'm just wondering, are they expecting more? Are they going to make a splash in free agency? Are they going to make a run at somebody at that point? And I don't know, but I've never quite seen anything like it before. And Austin Matthews is one of those players that at the end of that contract, he can be confident that he's still going to get paid. Whereas a lot of other players, they're not as elite. So they would not be able to kind of bank on that in the, in the, in, in their like sort of quote unquote past their prime years. Um, and again, we don't know what the future is, but I think it's just, it's so interesting to me that they didn't sign for, for, for max term. Um, whether it's the team that does this or the player that does this or a bit of both. I just, I find it fascinating. Uh, I also really want, wanted to see Austin Matthews win a cup in another uniform against Toronto. So that dream is uh, in the toilet now um, for another four years, at least uh, five, I guess. Um, so, all right. So we've got a couple of other questions. I think what I want to do is I want to turn to emails um, and we've got some lovely questions from Randy Hansen, one of our favorite people. One, Name something you love more than Scott love the, loves the word cromulent. Look, I love to make Simpsons references on this show, and cromulent is just such a perfect word to throw around in here that, like, I can't not use that. <laughs> uh, things I love more than that, my dog, who is currently banging her nose against the baby gate over there, and a cat who relentlessly yells at me at the top of the stairs when it's time to go to bed. <laughs> Now that Jonathan Drouin is gone and Mike Hoffman is gone, who's going to be the next target for fan discontent? And we can't say Christian Dvorak. It, it's pretty easy who it's going to be. It's going to be one of Suzuki or Caulfield because they're the highest paid players on the team. And God forbid they don't produce for like two or three games, then everyone's going to lose their mind. But I also think Alex Newhook has a big old target on there because of the cost that was paid to acquire him this season. He was my vote and then Brendan Gallagher. Like there's a lot of uh, fans in, the, in, in this market that would die for Brendan Gallagher. Um, and I think that that's going to change. Um, and um, that was my prediction. But you're right about Newhook. Like that's where the fan discontent is going to be. Finally, which player who played for both Montreal and Toronto do you think would say that everything in Toronto is better? And who do you think would say that Montreal is better? I am just going to say that every single player would have set with a pick Montreal over Toronto. That is my home team bias. <laughs> um, and uh, it's up to you, Scott, to make that decision to me. I, I find it hard to not believe that, like, you know, whoever played in both cities wouldn't pick Montreal. Toronto's, like, public transit and everything is great. Like, the city does have a more modern feel, but Montreal has a charm that I can't quite shake. And based on the players that have done both, I think that that old kind of charm a little bit goes a long way for them. Um, 
And here's the thing is they're going to say the same thing is that they're both great. Si- we know how hockey players are. They're both not great a great city and they both, you know, have this and character and blah, 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 blah. They would never actually smack talk either city because most of them probably also spend a lot of time in and out of both of them too, even right. in the off season. And I say this as somebody like I'm a Montrealer, but I love Toronto. I literally just came back from Toronto and I adore it. I always have a really good time. It is quite expensive though. Um, but now, nowadays what city isn't, uh, but I honestly, I love Toronto a lot. I just, like, it's like you said, Scott, there is a charm to Montreal that Toronto simply does not have, even though it has amazing amenities. People are much nicer in Toronto. Like that, that was something that was jarring to me this weekend was just having people be so friendly everywhere. (laughs) Um, anyway, love Toronto. Montreal is Montreal still wins over all of that. Um, and in the meantime, we've got tons of questions. We've got a question about eras, which is very topical right now. And all of those questions will be tackled in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. All right, Scott, it is time. So this question that we got, we got it from our good friend, KCD. Um, and the question was, if you could go back in time and live in and choose to live in any era, which one would you choose? But I also want to adapt it to Canadians eras. So like, I think for me, I could not live in an era without smartphones. So my question is, I would not go back in time and choose to live in another era. Also, I am a woman and a woman of color. So uh, this is probably as good as it's going to get as terrible as it is in today's world. It's this is as good as it's going to get for me. Yeah, like that's the thing is I'm like right now I've gotten accustomed to a lot of like things here. I have my Xbox and wireless internet and the ability to watch literally anything at any time at my fingertips on my phone with the lovely Leonard Cohen, you know, mural on here. I can do anything. There is more technology in this than a thing that sent people to the damn moon. And I, as Carly's on the other side of the screen, who's going to roll her eyes me, I cannot live without it because I am that kind of person. Uh, I wouldn't want to live in another era just because there are so many things that are convenient and make life legitimately better right now. If I had to go back and experience an era of Habs hockey as a person, though, I'm going back to the 1970s. You it's there's something about it that to see that team in all of its glory, to be feared, to be in awe of that. That is, we haven't seen anything like that. Yeah. The eighties Oilers and Islanders a little bit, and maybe some of the nineties Red Wings, but that Canadians team in the seventies beat up the broad street bullies. And that is saying a lot. They put the fear into people and that can't be understated. That is such an important thing. And I just want to watch that in person. And I would say like, I want to see like the rocket and everything, but as someone who is an Anglophone and a non-French speaker, I know that there was a lot in that era around that team as well. That is a little bit more, I don't want to say divisive. That's the wrong word, but important that I don't think I would get the full gist of that as someone who is not involved in that purely hockey, the 1970s era, Montreal Canadians, like it doesn't get any better than that. Absolutely. All right. So I got to turn our attention uh, to PTO. So uh, our friend Mike O'Brien asked if who the Canadian should target um, for PTO. And then our friend Bill V uh, via email. Hey, all, have you heard uh, if the Habs are inviting any PTO players to camp? That's, I haven't heard anything just yet. 
I hear a few being invited to camps around the league, such as Brandon Sutter at Edmonton, Alex Chason in Boston, Peter Holland in Colorado, among others. It seems that the Habs don't emphasize PTOs as much as other squads do, at least in recent years. But I know the team, and I know the team has a minimal uh, open spots and lots of prospects for those spots. But PTOs are a free look at a veteran or underachieving player that can help out in a particular role. Do you think they will bring anyone in? I think they might just because I know they go, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I look at some of the names out here. I look at Ethan Bear as a guy that I would like to, them to assign if they had the space for it. But I wonder about a name like a Yessi uh, Pugliarvi, who I believe is actually having surgery again. I might be wrong on that. An Adam Ernie, uh, not Maxime Comtois. There is too much related to the 2018 Hockey Canada investigation for me to ever feel comfortable suggesting that he come around this team. Uh, a guy like Tyler Mott, who you know can fill a fourth-line role. Uh, Colin White and Kiefer Bellows are both a little bit on the younger side. They're 26 and 25, respectively, that maybe earn a spot. Maybe you get a two-way contract and you play a little bit in the AHL. Someone mentioned Jujar Kara a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago. And I think, I wonder again, another fourth line guy, maybe, but I can't I, see I them. I was under it. the impression that he had some injury issues. Am I thinking of someone else? He had concussion issues. He was the one that in the bubble season, uh, he collided with Alexander Romanov, like clean chest to chest hit, and then just went completely out cold afterwards. Um mm-hmm. There is one name on defense. There's Mark Pizik that if he is not injured, he's someone that was a very useful piece for, I want to say it was the Florida Panthers for a while. Um, Zach Aston Reese is out there as a guy. Like it's a lot of guys who could fit on the fourth line, bottom six, maybe Danton Heinen in there, but they have a lot of forwards and a lot of defensemen. I can see them bringing in somebody and being like two way contract, take it or leave it and kind of see where we're at on that. But I don't expect much. Maybe one or two guys who play, you know, a few games. That's about it. Uh, we've got a couple more questions that I want to push to our next episode, which is going to be on Monday morning. And I want to talk about a couple of our um, off the rails questions. Our good friend, Megan, uh, who will be on the show at some point for we're doing a live show. And I'm trying to figure out a way to uh, raise money for charity through it. Um, and that's going to be at some point in the off season, you know, like the Friday nights that we have. Um, where we, you know, where, where you guys join us and ask questions. And it's going to be really off the rails conversation. I'm very excited. And you might see some other faces, uh, familiar faces on that live night. It's going to be at some point before the season starts. Um, so look out for that. I'm just trying to figure out an, a charity angle for it so we can do some good with it. Uh, anyway, so the question from Megan is, at what age do you think a person should know the difference between knitting and crocheting? And why is it younger than however old the guy in that Reddit post is? So if you haven't noticed this, <laughs> uh, it's been making the rounds on the internet. Some guy on Reddit in the AITA um, uh, subreddit was asking um, because he has uh, apparently asked his girlfriend to stop knitting. Uh, it is bothering him that she knits. <laughs> that's all she, she, she knits. That, like, that's, that's, that's the thing that's bothering him is the knitting. I... I want to interject into that because one Carly crochets and my grandmother crocheted before her. It rules so hard. You know what I get? He called crocheting knitting. That's the thing. Well, he's stupid for one thing. So like, (laughs) anyway, sorry. Now you can continue. So crocheting like people who crochet are awesome. 
you get blankets. Like I have so many crocheted Afghans from my grandmother and Carly is working on them and they are the best because we are so close to the best season where it is crack the window open and watch football on Sundays under a blanket weather and you get a nice crocheted Afghan and you curl up on the couch with some Sunday sauce on the stove and you are happy, damn it. It's the best season of the year. If you take that for granted, I will come to your home and throw hands on behalf of the crocheting. So help me God or whoever you believe in because people who crochet are godsends and I love that. I did not expect to be this heated about crocheting today, but I realized (laughs) how much I love a nicely crocheted blanket on this show today. Or nicely crocheted anything. I have like, I have a little um, crocheted Grogu. Somebody sent it to me because I saw it online and like a a baby Yoda. And it is the cutest thing ever. Like, and, and like my sister makes crocheted sharks. Like she's crafty. Crocheting is awesome. But anyway, this guy that's mad at his girlfriend for crocheting things all the time like when they're watching tv she crochets and that bothers him and apparently she's not crocheting enough things for him the, the stuff that she makes is for like the house or like herself or whatever anyway this guy is the a um and megan you should know the difference between crocheting and knitting if you want to be in a relationship with somebody who's doing this um and uh, honestly like it's just it, the Reddit had to, sorry, the moderators had to shut down the thread because people kept getting angry that he was calling knitting crocheting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but either way, crocheting is awesome. Crochet years are awesome. Um, and and that's the end of that. And then finally, this is quest- this question is from our nemesis, Will. Again, if we did not ask your question today, we will probably ask it on the Monday episode. Will asks, what wild animal are you absolutely convinced you could befriend if you came across it? I'm not going to say a bear. I'm not going to say anything that is higher up on the predator chain. I'm going to say a raccoon, possibly, as long as I keep it well fed. Maybe a bee. No, beavers are jerks. Beavers are actually really mean. I definitely want to go with raccoon. I'm trying to think of other things that are fat, squishy, roughly the size of a cat. Um... I want to say like those Papa's cats that like live in Russia that sit on their tails. But as Carly has pointed out to me, no, you cannot be friends with them. They're actual predators and they will eat your face, but they sit on their tails and they're adorable. Long, like long reach, like, like 0.2% chance. One of those, but I'm going to go with a raccoon is about the safest I would feel. And even that's not like a 50, 50 chance. Cause I don't want rabies either. So like, I'm going to go the way Will wants me to go. I'm going to go really risky and I'm going to say I want to be best friends with a tiger because I just I think they're so majestic and elegant. I understand. And I think this is exactly what he wanted me to say so that he could make fun of me. But and also like as a Leo, people tend to expect me to say lion. Um, And the one reason that I would befriend a lion is because they're lazy and they sleep a lot. Oh, Um, I think I found the one I wanted. Okay, go. It's a skunk. You want to befriend a skunk? Yeah. I'm looking, I literally Googled small predatory animals and like, I've been bitten by an American mink, not fun. So no, uh, weasels are weasels for a reason. And but American badgers, smelly. they, so here's the thing is they only do that as like a last resort thing. I have learned a lot about skunks because apparently they are like super friendly actually, but, uh, also otters. Maybe I'm not befriending an ocelot or a bobcat because predator, big predatory animal, but like. 
I would say a badger, but badgers are terrifying, like absolutely horrifying creatures. And Will will back me up on how dangerous honey badgers are. And if he doesn't, I know he's lying because he doesn't want to be proven wrong. I'm going to go with a skunk or a raccoon as like the animal that I think I would have the best chance that isn't already some kind of like domesticated animal. So like I can't pick like a ferret or something like that. You know, I'm going to go between a skunk or a raccoon as like my option. So you like actually really thought this through. I was just like, tigers are cool. <laughs> well, here's the, if I could befriend any animal and knew I could do that 100%, I would be such good friends with a grizzly bear. Are you kidding me? There's a guy on TikTok who hangs out with bears and they're like, yes, I'm going to give you a hug. And I watch this huge paw, like come over. And I'm like, you're going to die. Like if it decides like I'm just hungry today, squish. Like if I could, if I could befriend anything, it would 100% be a grizzly bear. And then I could ride it into town to get my groceries. It would be so cool. Dangerous, but cool. On that note, the show talks about bears a lot. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, but thank you so much for all of your questions. Again, if we did not mention it today, we'll probably get to it on uh, our Monday episode. And if you would like to listen to that or any of our episodes, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast, as well as on YouTube. Please like, subscribe, and tell your friends if you want other people to find us and grow our community. Uh, we thank you so much for listening. If you ever want to get in touch with us, LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com is probably now your best bet because we don't know what's going on on the other social medias. And quite frankly, I don't always want to read the YouTube comments um, and you know why. So um, really, please send us mailbag questions. And obviously, if you're going to be nice about it, if you're going to be respectful about it, I, like please continue to send mailbag questions in the YouTube comments. Just put mailbag question at the very beginning so that we know you want it's not in response to something we said and it's more you want us to bring it up on the next mailbag episode um you can find us both on whatever the social media is called right now uh the active stick and uh at scott matt left we have a great weekend everybody we will talk to you on monday